not just about um, studying your Bible. It's about learning about God. It's finding out what does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple? Um, you know, what is a disciple? Um, is it just a follower? Is it someone who uh, who's disciplines themselves to study the Bible? Is it someone who um, is doing something? Is it a way of life? Um, Jesus calls his uh, disciples in the Gospels. You see that um, through the um, through each gospel, but what is he calling them to? Is it to live a certain style of life? Is it to obey commands? And there are a lot of commands in the Bible. Um, but to keep his commands, first of all, you have to recognize what they are. Um, so with Christina and um, Stephen and a couple of others, I've been doing, I, I initially did a, we did Alpha, and then I did um, uh, discovering what being a Christian means, then when they made that commitment, in fact, before Christina made that commitment, because she still wanted to come along, uh, and she was still interested to come, I was doing a follow-up group uh, for Stephen, and Christina was coming along, even though she wasn't a Christian yet, I, and I said, this would just be good for you to know, uh, and, and all these things have probably contributed to your understanding of what being a Christian is, but there's a lot of commands in the Bible, aren't there? There's a lot. I mean, repent, follow, rejoice when you're persecuted, let your light shine, be reconciled, keep your word. Uh, go the second mile, love your enemies, don't show off, put God first, don't judge, deny yourself, forgive, serve, ask in faith, love the Lord, love your neighbor, uh, make disciples. Um, well, do we have to obey all of them? Is that what discipleship is, obeying all these commands? Um, but it's not, is it? I mean, it, it involves them, but that's not what being a follower of Jesus is. Um, it's good if we do that. It's good if, if you can obey all these things. But if we start saying, this is what you have to do, and I get that a lot from the Chinese people I work with. They say, uh, I ask them, what do you think a Christian is? Oh, someone who goes to church, someone who reads their Bible, someone who prays. And I, and I say, no, that's all about doing. That's all about you doing something. That's not about what you believe. Um, you know, that's what the Pharisees were like. They were people who did things. They had regulations. They had rules. These are the things you must do if you want to be a follower of God. Well, in part, that's true, but that's not what being a Christian is about, is it? Being a Christian is about what we believe and how we live our lives. We don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to have a ritualistic way of life. We want to follow Jesus. Um, so the verse we're looking at today is from Matthew 11, where Jesus calls the disciples. Um, and it happens, a lot has happened before that. We, we see Jesus, he's teaching the Beatitudes. He talks about all, you know, as, if you're familiar with the Beatitudes, there's a lot there about Jesus saying, you know, how blessed you are of this. Blessed are you of this. Blessed are, and what does blessing mean? Uh, uh, what does blessed mean? You know, I don't want to say you're lucky. It's, I can't find of another good word. But Jesus just goes on and on and on in Matthew 5, talking about, you know, how blessed you are. And I sometimes think we miss that, you know, as followers of Jesus, we miss the fact that we are blessed, you know, and think about that. You know, you are blessed by God. And yes, there are some conditions if you do this, if you do that, but a lot of the things that he mentioned are, aren't things that we have to do. It wasn't about our performance. It's about just us. You know, blessed are the meek. I mean, blessed are the pure in heart. It's about our attitudes. It's not about doing. And this is where the Pharisees got it wrong. 
they started adding rule after rule after rule, saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do that. And, and some Christians still, you know, will put conditions on what you have to do to be a good Christian. But that's wrong. You know, Jesus said, you know, you're blessed. You're blessed if you have this attitude. Um, and, and the wonderful thing is, he says, you know, as he does all this, he says, you know, I'm with you. Blessed are you if you do this. Blessed are, blessed are you if you have this attitude of being with me. Blessed are you. I've, I'm with you. I've got your back. Let's do this journey together. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Life is hard. Life is tough. And we lose sight of the fact that Jesus is walking alongside this road with us. You know, he's journeying with us. Um, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when we're going through the hardest times in our life, you know, we forget that. You're probably all familiar with footprints in the sand uh, where the person turns around and says, Jesus, when I was going through the most difficult times of my life, why did you abandon me? And Jesus turns around and says, no, I didn't. That was when I was carrying you. The footprints you see are mine. Uh, and we, we forget that. We forget that. And that sense of discipleship is us journeying with Jesus We'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Christina and Stephen, come up again. If you could read for us, please. Um, Stephen first. Matthew eleven twenty six. We'll read. He's going to read in the New International Version first. Yeah. Uh, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Okay. And then from the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Great. Thank you. Okay. Those verses, it doesn't sound like a lot of doing to me, does it? You know, that, it it's not a list of do's and don'ts. Do you know what a yoke is? Well, of course you know what a yoke is, you know? A yoke is heavy. If you've ever picked up a yoke, they are heavy things. They're solid, you know. When you put a yoke on, you can feel it. It's heavy. But Jesus deliberately uses this example of a yoke because we think, oh, that's hard. But he says, the yoke is easy. Uh, take my yoke on me. Uh, where is it? Da -da 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 -da. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we tend to think about life, being a Christian, as something that's it's arduous. We've got to struggle through. We've got to, you know, and there's lots of Bible verses out there, fight the good fight. And, and it is a bit like that. But when Jesus walks alongside us, when he's yoked with us, it's much, much easier. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. Um, it's the idea of the younger, when, you have, when you're training a new ox, you will couple it with an older ox. And the idea of walking alongside, they're bound together. The young ox can't, can't wander off, can't do what he likes. He's tied to the older, experienced ox who knows what to do. He's done this for years, and he knows which way to go. He knows how to respond. 
And the younger ox learns from the old ox as they walk together, step in step, through their life, through their journey, through their work together. They pull together so one doesn't do all the work. The yoke provides a balance. And that's what we need in our lives, to be balanced in our, in our walk of faith. So three things. I'll try to be quick because I know time is moving on. Um, Jesus invites us. Jesus says, come to me. Don't not work toward me, not earn me. Just come to me. There's no aspect of legalism there. It's, it, there's a freedom there. When Jesus calls Peter and John uh, and Andrew and James, um, he wasn't just happened to be walking past. They, uh, Well, he was, but they had encountered him earlier. They knew a little bit about him before, probably through John the Baptist. You know, when we read it, we think Jesus is just walking past and he sees them and says, hey, come follow me. And they have no idea of who Jesus is. Well, that's how I always used to look at it. But no, when we read the Gospels, when we read about what Andrew in particular was doing with, with John the Baptist, you see there's actually there's a bit of pre-knowledge, pre-exposure. Um, John 1 tells us at least that they had seen and heard Jesus previously. They'd been exposed to his teaching. They'd probably seen him, um, I wanted to say performing, but that's not the right word, doing um, some of his miracles. Um, they'd seen Jesus baptized. They'd heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my uh, beloved son. They'd heard him teaching in the synagogues, most probably. The Bible doesn't specifically tell us that, but from what he was doing in the area, we can, we can surmise, you know, someone attracting that much attention, these, these simple fishermen were probably hearing and listening, if not following Jesus around. They'd seen him, possibly, casting out demons and healing people. It wasn't a call out of the blue. They had an idea of what Jesus was about. So what was he calling them to? Um, there's a clear invitation here um, to come and follow him. Now, there's an implication. If you're going to follow someone, you've got to stop what you're doing. And that's effectively what the fishermen, rather than say all four names, that's what they did. When Jesus called them, they knew who he was, they knew what he was about, and they made that decision to leave everything and go follow him. It wasn't quite that simple. because There was a bit of a miracle involved in there as well. Um, Jesus isn't hard to find. He's made himself available. And that come to me, it's a present tense command. It's something we have to action. Not tomorrow, not in 14 months' time. You know, we don't have to wait too long, grace. You know, as we learn about Jesus, it's making that decision of, I have the knowledge now. What am I going to do with that knowledge? And that, for me, was frustrating, with Christina particularly, because she'd done everything. You know, I think we'd done two Alpha courses. We'd done two learning what a Christian was. We started to be doing a follow-up group. And I was like, I'm running out of material with, to do with this girl. What do I do next? And we'd had a few conversations like, Christina, you know, you come along to everything. You know, what are you waiting for? You know, what's it going to take for you to make that step of commitment? Um, and, and really, I think that's the challenge for us. As we hear these things, people you know, if they're similar in this situation, you know, what's it going to take? What's holding them back? And leave, leave your self-reliant efforts today. You know, leave your sins behind today. Leave your burdens behind today. This idea of come follow me, come follow me, come follow Jesus is for now. Um, 
And I must say, even as Christians, we, we do put conditions on it. We're a bit like the Pharisees sometimes. We say, well, we have to do this and we have to do that. Or I've got to get this right first. Or I've got to stop doing this first. Not, we, we put these conditions on ourselves thinking, I'm not quite ready to simply drop everything and follow Jesus. But that's what the disciples did. Um, I do an online uh, study group with students who've been, Chinese students who've been at the university and they've gone back home. Some of them have been meeting, and this beggars belief, some of them have been meeting with me online for over two years. And again, some of them, most of them are not Christians, but they want to learn. They want to study. They want to find out about Jesus. And I'm just continually asking that question, what's it going to take for you to make that step? What is it going to take? A lot of them say, I want, to, I want to have an experience of God. For them, coming from uh, an understanding that you know, there is no God, to suddenly be learning about God and reading, reading uh, all about Jesus' miracles, you know, they want to know that it's true before they take this big step. And it is a big step for them. Um, thankfully, just recently, one of the girls um, has started going along to a church, which is great. Um, she, a lovely girl. She's been studying with me for a long time. And she's met a, uh, a Christian friend who invited her along to an underground church. Uh, and she's been going along to that. Unfortunately, since this year, the underground church has been told they can't meet anymore. So um, the government restrictions are getting tighter. Um, but she still meets with me and she still meets with some of the Christians from that church um, for study, which is great. It is a long journey for them. It's a long journey. Um, so do pray for these three. Pray for the church in China. They have a lot to overcome as they understand um, what this idea of following God means. Walking alongside Jesus. When Paul, Leslie, and I were in Discovery, school's ministry of Agape, um, new staff were assigned a trainer. So I was Paul's trainer, believe it or not. I know I look far too young. Oh. Um, someone who would sit down, teach them some of the basics, go through some Bible studies, show them how to have a school's ministry, how to share your faith in school, what to do and stuff. Um, in fact, Benjamin Franklin said, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember, but involve me and I learn. Okay, Benjamin Franklin was, um, he drafted the Declaration of Independence and the American Constitution. Wasn't actually a president. A lot of people think he was a president. He never made president. Um, but he said this, and this idea of, Again, this sense of discipleship, come with me, come, come alongside me, I'll show you what to do. I'll teach you, I'll show you what to do, and then I want, I want to see you doing it. That's what we did in Discovery, great model. Uh, Stephen's been doing that with one of our university staff workers, Stephanie. He's been going up to university, he's watched her do surveys, and then he's been doing surveys, and Stephanie's so excited about that. Um, and it, you know, it's discipleship, it's discipleship in action the idea of being yoked together with someone and learning as you walk the Christian life together. I think it's so exciting. Uh, another thing I do is I run a basic car maintenance workshop um, for what I call the Hong Kong diaspora. There's a lot of Hong Kong people. You might have suddenly noticed there's a lot of Hong Kong people around uh, because as they leave Hong Kong, they're coming to, the, coming to England, a lot of them have no idea how to maintain a car. Uh, and I work with a uh, Hong Kong charity. Uh, it it's kind of networking. Some of them are Christians, some aren't, and they're trying to introduce them to life in England. So they asked me to do some basic car maintenance. And I'm talking basic. 
how to check your oil, how to check your water. And I've been doing these. And I've had two. I had this one young lady uh, one time. She'd had her car three months. And she was like, I said, okay, lift up your bonnets. And she was like, how do I do that? <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, okay. I thought that was bad. Recently, I had a young man come, uh, Jack. And I same thing, you know, this is a bonnet, American say hood, I have to go through all that. Uh, and then I say, okay, lift up your bonnets. And he's like, I've had my car for six months. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, you've never checked your car in six months. He says, I just take it to the garage when there's a problem. It's like, well, the idea is you check it before you have a problem. So we did that. You know, he lifted up his, and he loved it. He loved it. But the idea of doing it was, was alien to him, the idea of trying to do something that he wasn't familiar with. Um, <laughs> I said to him, well, what do you do in Hong Kong when you have a problem? And he says, actually, if we break down, we just call a taxi driver. We just stop a taxi because they know all about cars. And they'll come, and they'll either fix it or they'll take us to the garage so we can call a garage to come and fix our car. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, it's just very different culturally. Um, uh, and Psalm 32 captures this, uh, this idea of walking alongside us. It says, um, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. As I worked with these Hong Kong people, peering into their engines, pulling out the dipstick, checking the oil, checking the color, you know, I could see Jack getting more and more excited about doing it. It was completely out of his range of confidence. But as he, you know, first they have to identify what's what. Um, and then he's doing it, and then you could see he's really, you know, having fun. He's a young man. He likes cars. Just didn't know anything about them. I get them to do all that. Then I get them to take their wheel off and put their wheel back on. And, you know, he, he, you know it's almost like he feels like he's a mechanic. But it's really basic. Really basic, but the, the buzz he was getting, the enjoyment he was getting just from doing that, and it's that idea of, I'll stand with you. I'll stand over you as you do it. I'll make sure you do it right. I'll show you first, in my car, showed them where all the things were in my car, and then I said, now go to your cars. Identify these elements in your car. Um, so this practical discipleship, this practical demonstrating how to do things, it's a very biblical principle. The disciples, when they followed Jesus, they saw him doing things firsthand. You know, when you read the Gospels, he's not telling the disciples to do anything initially. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his ministry. He's demonstrating. He's healing. He's teaching. For how long? Three years, and then he leaves. And then he says, your turn. Okay, now it's over to you. You know, why did he leave after three years? Why didn't he stay longer? It was very, very deliberate. God's plan is for us to be involved. His plan is for us to be involved in changing the world, touching people's lives, helping people. But there is a prerequisite. There has to be a willingness to learn. There has to be a sense of curiosity of, well, how do I do that? When Jack came, he was willing. He had no idea. He didn't even know how to lift up the bonnet of his car. But he was willing. He was curious. He wanted to see, well, what are the parts in my car? Um, he wouldn't have been happy if he broke down. He's now very, very happy. Probably what he'll do is he'll call me and say, Daryl, I have a problem. That has happened to me. I've been called 8 a.m. Daryl, I have a flat tire. Can you help me? Um, but this element of this curiosity, this wanting to learn, as disciples, we have to have that attitude. I want to know, what does God want of me? What should I be doing? How can I do it? 
We need to be willingly yoked to Jesus. If that young ox is constantly fighting against the older ox, they're not going to make much progress. We have to have that attitude of, I want, I want to follow you. Our curiosity relates to wanting, know, wanting to know more of God and having a closer, closer relationship with Him to understand and know His will and direction for our lives. As the message said, version says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It's unforced. It's a gentle thing. We walk together. There's no, I'm doing all the work and you're lagging behind. We do this together. And then finally, what's the result of our yoking ourselves to, to Jesus? What happens when we walk alongside him, in step with him, in step with his leading and guiding? When Jesus called Simon and Andrew, what have they been doing all night? We read it in one of the Gospels. They'd been fishing, toiling all night. Did they, were they successful? No, they didn't catch any fish. And Jesus calls to them at first. Before he says, follow them, he says, you know, what are you doing? And they're saying, we're fishing. And he says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Uh, yeah, they're fishermen. They're professional fishermen. What's Peter's response? Like, Master, we've been working all night. You know, basically he's saying, there's no point. There's no fish. And then he says, but because you say so. Now you see, there's a hint. They must have known a little bit about Jesus. You wouldn't say that to a total stranger walking along on the, sh on the shore. So they must have had an inkling of who Jesus was. Master, oh, because you say so, we'll do it. And then they see a miracle happen. The fish come, okay? And what's the result? The result of the obedience. Peter says, you know, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. You know, I, I don't deserve. I don't deserve to be in your presence. And then Jesus says, come, follow me. It's like, I don't care. I don't care if you've had problems in your life. I don't care if you've done things wrong. I don't care if you're still doing things wrong. Do you have a heart to follow me? Come, follow me. I will make you fishes of men. He's saying, let's do this life together. Come, learn from me. All he's asking us to do is to come. Stop running around. Stop trying to perform and do our best. Stop trying to impress. Just be a real disciple of Jesus. Love Jesus first. Obey his commandments first. Follow him. There's room for failure. You know, Peter was, he was a hothead. He was stubborn. You know, we see him making mistake after mistake after mistake in the Bible. And yet, if you go to Greece, if you go to Athens, there's a stone there that has a list of all the popes. And Peter is listed as the first pope of the church. Um, God used him despite all his shortcomings. Are you willing to commit yourself to a life walking in step with Jesus? What's the result? Abundant life. John 10.10 10 says... I have come that you might have life, life in all its fullness. You know, wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, this idea of being blessed. It's there for us. Um, ultimately, what we need to do is obey. We simply need to follow Jesus. It's not so easy. I know it's hard sometimes because things get in the way, our pride, um, pressure from other people. But Jesus says, come follow me. There has to be a willingness to obey. And God can forgive. He can accept you wherever you're coming from. Um, whether you already know him, whether you're already very familiar with him, or whether you don't know him at all. 
Um, Jesus says, come, follow me.